Behind every success story, there is a long line of triumphs and defeats that remain hidden from others. These stories get condensed into journeys that minimize the struggle and wrap up with a happy ending. But we know that's not how life works. That's where From the Ashes with Mark Azoulay comes in. On today's show, you'll hear honest conversations about the challenges that Mark's guest faced and how they overcame adversity. Now, here is your host, Mark Azoulay. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Mark Azoulay, and I'm sitting here with Stephen Adams. Steve, I am so excited to interview you. Um, when we first started talking, you had written a book. I want to make sure I get this right because this title is incredible. It's What's What and What to Do About It? Answers You Didn't Know You Wanted To to Questions That You Didn't Know You Had. Um, and that was really intriguing to me. But I would love to hear about your life as an author, as a screenwriter. Um, you had talked about growing up with Jane and Kurt Vonnegut, your aunt and uncle. Um, there's a lot there's a lot to talk about here. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I am so grateful. Uh for your attention. I, I truly am. The book itself um, was uh, published six months ago. And so, uh, you know, I, I've had a history of trying to promote it and trying to get attention paid to it. Um, I wrote it as an experiment uh, to see how I could do writing a book instead of a screenplay. Screenplays are what I've um, I've written for 40 years, and this so this was this was kind of a fun um, divergence from that. And um, it's been six months, and the main thing I've learned is it is tough uh, to get attention to a book. There are hundreds of thousands of books, yeah. especially with self-publishing uh, available, um, and you, it's just thrown into the pile and. And so it's a it's it's a tricky it's a tricky um, uh, trail to follow, and and I must admit I'm lousy at self promotion. Yeah, I, I can't imagine, right? I mean, I, I promote for this podcast and I promote for my practice, but it's it's like a sea, right? It's just like a wall of noise that you have to kind of punch through. There are so many new 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 uh, platforms of competition. It's, yeah, it's really it. It didn't used to be like this. I mean, you mentioned that I grew up with uh, Jane and Kurt uh, Vonnegut. Um, Kurt's ascent was in a whole different, a whole different uh, era, where uh, none of these uh, competing platforms um, existed. But um, and so there wasn't the there, there wasn't the competition there wasn't the distraction and so i don't know i'm just, i'm feeling i'm feeling like my experiment has been run i'm very fond of this oddball book of mine um and i hope i hope it has a longer life but it's very difficult and and therefore i'm i'm thanking you for uh turning people's attention to it for a short period. Oh, for sure. I mean, I, I grew up reading a lot of Kurt Vonnegut. I grew up reading a lot of like writing from the 60s. Yeah. You know, I really have, um, I talked to my girlfriend actually about this prepping for this interview. 
that I have nostalgia for this era that I was not alive for. You know, I was born in in 1990, but there's just something very magical. um, And I I really kind of came of age reading a lot of these works. So when I, you know, saw your name cross my desk, when I saw Mark's name cross my desk, I was like, I got to talk to these guys. Like, this is, this is like a dream of my, you know, teenage and young adult self. Yeah, you're, you're terrific. That's that's wonderful to have that enthusiasm for an era you, you didn't live through. Right, exactly. Yeah, that kind of my, you know, my, my dad lived through or this idea of, you know, the yeah. the music, the the rock and roll, traveling the country kind of I read I've read a lot of um, you know, Jack Kerouac, like stuff like that, right? The beat, yeah. beat poetry. Yeah. I mean, all this stuff, there was this um again, this this nostalgia. Um, I went to the uh, grad school I went to is Naropa University. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that in Boulder, I am Colorado. Not. I am not. Um, it's a it's a Booth University. The, the, the Jack Kerouac School of Poetry is there, oh, and a lot of the uh, poets were in residence there. Like Allen Ginsberg, for instance, uh, um, yeah. was there, and it was part of that you know hippie Eastern spiritual Buddhist vibe. Yeah, um, here in Colorado. Yeah, yeah. Were you? I'm curious. Were you a part of that? Let's just dive right in. Like, what was your experience of that time? Let's back up. Yeah. I mean, the, the reason I, I grew up with uh, uh, Jane and Kurt Vonnegut and their three children, my first cousins, um, is that Kurt is my mother's brother. And uh, in 1958, um, my parents, Alice, uh, had uh, we knew she had cancer. And she, she, we knew she was going to die. We being myself, uh, and my, my three brothers. I was 11. My older brother was 14. And then I had a younger brother who was nine and a baby brother who was 18 months. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so three of us were aware that my mother was dying of, uh, of cancer. And, um, she went into the hospital, and my father um, uh, had a a babysitter come and take care of the baby. And he drove my, my brother, my other two brothers, and I to school. And then he went to um, do what he did every day, which was um, uh, hop on a commuter train that took him to work in uh, New York City. And that commuter train. Um, drove over a drawbridge, an open drawbridge. Whoa. Uh, three cars plunged into the Hudson River. His body was um, found three days later. And two days earlier, my mother died in the hospital. Oh, my so God. Yeah. It, it's it, it's like a freak accident. I mean, that's a crazy it, it, coincidence. It's a freak coincidence. I mean, yeah. just, just, just the timing of it. It's, it, it's crazy. But... Um, I asked you in our. I asked you earlier if I had sufficient ashes <laughs> to qualify for your show, and and I, I didn't mean that because um, this was horrible. Mm-hmm. I loved. We we were a tight oddball family. There's no yeah. question about it. Um, and so, boom! In two days, on the fifteenth and the seventeenth of September, uh, nineteen fifty-eight. They both were gone suddenly, and the first person to arrive was Kurt Vonnegut, and then my my um, my father's sister Louise Donner, and then people started coming 
and it became real uh, what had happened. And one week later, uh, my three brothers and I jumped into two different cars, one driven by Kurt and one driven by my father's uh, sister, Lou. And we were deposited um, at Kurt and Jane's big old house uh, on Cape Cod, Mm -hmm. a house much too big for their family. Um, And therefore, they were the only of our relatives who said, I will take all four of them. Others were saying, well, we can take one, we can take two. It was like we were like puppies. Right. <laughs> you know? and, 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 and they took us all. And so boom, yeah. we, we climb out of a car that we started sitting in in New Jersey. And then we uh, suddenly were on Cape Cod and Aunt Jane comes out to greet us and her three, three kids, and we knew them because we had had reunions o- over, the, over many years. You know, we we, li- we were living in New Jersey, and it was like a three or four hour drive up to Cape Cod, and so we knew Uncle Kurt, we knew Aunt Jane, we knew Mark, Edie, and Nanny, um, but we were uh, we were all confused <laughs> because of what had happened, and now yeah. boom, seven seven days later. Um, we're asked to go to another school and live in another family and start another life. Yeah. Can you tell me, kind of zoom in on that a little bit of what that was like for you, right? Like, how? what stories did you tell yourself? How did you make meaning of that? I mean, like you said, that's such an abrupt transition. It is. You know, if you think of your child childhood, at least my childhood and my brother's childhoods, um, you know, this moment divides everything. There was before and then there was after. Um, and my brothers and I are, are you know, we're, we're getting old and we, we, we talk about this. And um, we've come to really uh, trying to find details and how each of us felt at that moment. Because as kids, you don't talk about it. You know, you're... you're you're in different grades, you're in different schools once the transition is made. And um, I think my oldest brother um, uh, became the man of the house in his mind, and so he did not emote. And my younger brother, uh, Kurt Tiger, um, he just went limp. And he... um, you know, whatever he was asked to do, he did. And uh, my little baby brother, Pete, only stayed with us for only uh, six months because uh, it's a complicated situation and still we don't understand it. But our little baby brother was moved down to Birmingham, Alabama to live with uh, a relative we really didn't know well. And I think it was, I think it was uh, uh, negotiated by my father's sister, Aunt Lou, who did not a- approve of the lifestyle of Kurt Vonnegut. Mm. Uh, uh, she, uh, she was, he had a bo- bohemian, bohemian streak, and she was a, she was a country club uh, lady. And we loved her. We loved them both. But I, I think as adults, we, had, we weren't privy to any of this. Uh, Lou and and uh, Kurt 
behind the scenes uh, made this uh, transfer of our little brother happen. And so, you know, those moments are just like little private snapshots that I can recall getting out of the car. Um, We have two dogs, the dogs jumping up and down and just whatever childhood memories you may have, they may be, they may be in the same form, which is just snapshots. It's not, and there's not really an emotional content. It doesn't seem it's more, um, the flat, the flatness of it. You know, I see, I see us arriving and I see us, um, I can't, I can't remember so much. It's just, it's, it's a blur, but then, there we were for the next, uh, you know, that, that was our new home. Yeah. It's just like, it's like a series of impressions, right? Trying yeah, to make yeah, sense yeah. of, of exactly. that turbulence. Yeah. 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 And, you know, we, we, we each had our own, and we're finding out from each other, we each had our own response to this terrible thing that happened. Yeah. None of us, you know, we were too young to know um, the, uh, ext- uh, the, the power of this tragedy, and we're still s- sorting it out. But I will say this: um, my brothers, my three brothers, and I, a while ago, I asked them um, to rate their happiness at the moment from one to ten. One miserable, ten. I've had a great life, and we all were in the nines. <laughs> Which is, and, and we weren't kidding around. And we, 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 it's a terrible, terrible story. It was a terrible thing that happened to us. But, um, so, so this is, yes, there were ashes. But, um, boy, did we luck out in in uh, the navigating of a life afterwards? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think the key factors were that helped you guys, you know, recover? Um, Jane Vonnegut, for one, yeah, um, she was she was our surrogate mother who was already burdened with, you know, already had three ki- uh, three room young mm-hmm. kids, and um, uh, uh, just, everyone was so attentive to us, and the kids, Mark, Edie, and Nanny, were so accepting. They they stepped aside and let us sleep in their rooms with them. And you didn't realize it at the time. It was just like, oh, you pulled into a new hotel or something, and and where are we sleeping now? Um, but in retrospect, um, we were we were we were coddled, particularly by Jane, and we were embraced by the community. And uh, our mother and father for the the, the eleven years that I, that they affected my life, for the fourteen years for Jim, for the nine years for Tiger, and the they were they were irreplaceable and Kurt and Jane were helpless against um, um, our yeah them becoming our parents we were we, we were never legally adopted we were uh, they became our guardians mm-hmm. and personally I I, I was uh, like a grace a grateful uh, guest in a new home rather than a uh, member of a, of a new family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's wonderful. So what was that new home like? You said it was a bohemian lifestyle. Was well, it very it was different a, from how you were raised? Oh, yeah. 
and and Kurt, the difference between Kurt and my father was, uh, you, you can't think of, well, you can, but I mean, they were very, very different people. Mm-hmm. My father um, was a holder and a, a hugger and a kisser, mm-hmm. and um, and Kurt was, he had always been slightly uh, frightening because uh, he was living in his head. Yeah. He, and he was going back and forth, back and forth. And, and when we moved in 1958, he was not Kurt Vonnegut, famous guy. He was Kurt Vonnegut uh, writing like crazy in his room and selling sobs, you know, and sandwich uh, eight, eight miles down the road. And so it, it's this whole fame thing, it, it was slow to develop. And so it was like, this isn't my dad. Thank you, though, sir. Jane. Um, you so much and i i uh i paid atten- most attention to you know sports and school and i uh, distracted myself for those things mm. yeah it's kind of got involved in your life right did the did the the kid stuff yeah did the kid yeah. stuff but with with a backdrop of embarrassment because we were orphans it, it, it was you know it, it was used uh, in a funny way sometimes when we got you the orphans, we were the orphans, and they were the uh, the real children. <laughs> so it, there was nothing delicate about it, but it, and and it was a, a house of absolute uh, adventure and chaos. Mm-hmm. It sounds like tons of fun. Um, it was tough, some, it, but chaotic, right? Like I'll tell you what, it it, yeah. it was it was it was mostly fun, even though yeah. there was there was this this agony, uh, a ribbon of agony. Right, there's like undercurrent of tragedy, but there's exactly. still it says exactly. there was still love and community and connection there. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it, so that was that was constant. And mm-hmm. boy, did that pay off. We all got nines. You know, we're all in our seventies, <laughs> and uh, I think uh, I think Mark and Edie and Nanny would give you a nine too. Nice. Well, we're going to move to our first commercial break. When we come back, I want to talk about. Um, the birth of your of your um, writing name, your, your like pseudonym, uh, Waldo Mellon, and kind of sure. move in, into that. Um, so if you're listening, hang on. Uh, we'll see how the story develops when we get back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. In Mark's work with high performers and business owners, it is becoming increasingly clear to him that their biggest obstacle to success is themselves. They are experts in their field, but are dragged down by their anxiety, poor time management, inability to focus, or self-sabotage. His role is to help you overcome these emotional and organizational issues so that you can truly excel in your business and your personal life. One of the most common hurdles that he sees is perfectionism, a crippling anxiety around performance. It's a fear of not being good enough, being publicly embarrassed, or of disappointing others. These fears paralyze brilliant people and bring them to their knees. This course will help you to break free from this mental prison and have more agency in your world. In this online course, we will break down the prison of perfectionism so that you can break out of it. For more information and to sign up, visit mark 
marcazule.teachable.com. That's Mark, M-A-R-C, dash Azule, A-Z-O-U-L-A-Y, dot teachable.com. Where can you listen to some of the world's top life coaches ready to dish out success tips and entrepreneurial guidance? The Voice America Empowerment Channel will do just that. Whether it's personal growth, building a better business, or inspirational life stories, make it a daily habit to tune into our programs. From weight loss and personal branding to law of attraction and increased happiness, you'll find it every day at VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. Our thoughts and feelings not only affect our own lives, but the lives of everyone around us. Find new meanings of love, authentic expressions, and better connections with the people in your life. Tune in to Love Light with Dr. Jean Marie Farish. This program will feature guests and discuss ideas that will bring a better life to you. When you find this perspective on love, it will change everything. Listen live every Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are listening to From the Ashes with Mark Azoulay. To reach the show today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to podcast at mark-azoulay.com. Now, back to From the Ashes. Welcome back to the show. I'm sitting here with Steve Adams, uh, or should I say Waldo Mellon? Uh, <laughs> something that really stood out to me about your uh, your PR package was that you used a pen name, and it was a name that you said you developed in college um, when you were at Dartmouth. Can you say more about the story and the kind of origination of that person, that character, what that was like? Sure. Um, it's the first time I ever used a, a pseudonym, and this because this is the first book I've ever written. I, I, uh, I, I've spent my last uh, forty years writing writing screenplays, and they were always as Steve Adams. But so now, when I decided to run this experiment and had an idea about what that experiment might be, which was a fake advice column, um, and people. Invented by me, ask this fake advice columnist, Waldo Mellon, questions that I, Steve Adams, want to know the answer to, and then get to sit down and write the answers to. Uh, with, I get to revise and I get to think about it. And I, I have the luxury of, you know, figuring things out that I want to figure out. Uh, the notion of calling myself not Steve Adams, but uh, Waldo Mellon um, released me from my Steve Adams-ness. Uh, Waldo Mellon is a bit, has a pompous streak to him. He, he really is confident in his, in his uh, optimism. And I, I really like this guy, and I, like, I, I really like writing in his voice. The name Waldo Mellon... Um, was given to me by uh, when I was in, at college. 
uh, in, in at Dartmouth, and um, I was in a rock band, <laughs> the Flower Thieves. <laughs> nice. <laughs> the Flower Thieves. Yeah. This don't forget. This is like '68 mm-hmm. and '69. The Flower Thieves. So um, he he gave me the name Waldo Mellon, and there was Penrod Twig, and uh, we we all had we all had a name. And then this guy, John Twist, um, uh, 20 years after college, um, killed himself. Mm. And I loved this guy. Uh, he was, you know, he was, he, I went out of high, out of high school and you meet the, you meet these new characters. And this was, this was like a guy out of an, out of a novel that has not yet been written. It was just, he was just, he was so vibrant, so alive, and he was so enthusiastic about um, the flower thieves. That's you know, he was a terrible student, um, but he was such fun, such enthusiasm. You know, he would he would uh, <laughs> oil his voice before our performances, which were quite few and only in fraternities. <laughs> we weren't really very good, but we were good enough to uh, play on Saturday night at homecoming. That that kind of thing. Um, so, um, it just occurred to me, I, I wanted, I wanted to, I want his memory to live. And so I loved being Waldo Mellon. I also used the name Waldo Mellon for a character. We used to have, uh, um, talent shows in our yard. I'm looking out at the yard where the talent shows used to be. I've lived in this house for, um, for 40 years mm-hmm. and it was crazy I, I put on i put on a crazy hat and 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 i was i come out uh, I, I just i made a fool of myself but i loved it. it it was just it was fun to be silly and it was waldo melon waldo melon you know and i, I had a, a cordless microphone i come out and i'd be dancing and then introducing the acts the acts were terrible that was part of it it was just you know local people coming but the yard was filled with uh, human beings the acts were memorable and um and so john uh, uh Walter Mellon was alive once a year in those shows that was like six or eight um august afternoons um and then when i wrote this book it became a Waldo Mellon and i, I have friends who just call me Waldo and it's just there's a part of me that is purely Waldo. You have to you have to read uh, you have to get the book to to find out uh, Waldo's voice. Um, it's different from my voice. Do, do, do you do you mark? Do you, I I I don't feel I'm explaining it. Uh, I really there's another. It, this releases me from something. Yeah. It's like, hey, don't blame me. Waldo said that, <laughs> you know, that that kind of thing. And so, I'm I'm pleased with this with with the use of this uh, part of me. Yeah, I'm really fascinated by that. So, you know, I study Jungian psychology, yeah. and they talk a lot about the use of archetypes and the use of masks and the use oh. of roles. Right? Yeah. There's another way, another thing I study called psychodrama. It's kind of what you're talking about. Of when you inhabit a role. You get to accentuate parts of yourself, and you get to leave other parts behind. Um, it's exactly that. Mark. It is very powerful. It's very, very powerful. It there was, is. um, it part of my story. You know, I was like a shy kid, shut down, 
Yeah. And I um, learned how to dance. I learned how to dance wearing a mask. I would go to like, I was in Pittsburgh. I go to raves and I would go to, you know, these kind of underground scenes, right? And yeah. I would wear these like crazy masks and behind the mask, it wasn't me. Yes. Right? I could act. I could be the character. I was like, a, I was part of the scene. I was, I wasn't myself. Right. And when I was inhabiting this role, all of my own, you know, insecurities and pain and, and nervousness were just gone, immediately gone, gone. immediately right. gone. Right. Something that like dictated my life. Yeah. Um, and I'm really interested. Sounds like we're having some resonance here of, of that experience for you, because I think it is a psychologically just really like lightning bolt experience. And I'm really just curious about the birth of this character. So, yeah. Can you, I mean, it's those, those talent shows. That's not the only time that I hid behind something. Yeah. Um, uh, when Halloween would come, as an adult, you know, these adult parties, everybody would have on a mask. Mm -hmm. I would, and and you could walk up to someone who you know and love. You don't know who it is. And I was so freed by that. I was so, and I, it, it was almost like uh, afterwards, the next day, what what is going on? Why am I why am I so um, uh, eager and happy when I can? I can peer into the eyes of my closest friends and they don't know who I am. Mm -hmm. And I, I can't answer that, Mark. I just can't. Well, because you don't, I mean, just, I don't know if it's the answer where my mind goes is that you don't know who you are either, right? In that moment, it's like a novel encounter. Yeah. And you get to inhabit whatever character you're, you're dressed up in. Mm. Right. I mean, I think to, I mean, if you look at the use of masks, right. Through all cultures, yes. every single culture yes. uses masks and characters and archetypes yep. and, and drama, right. And yeah. play to yep. some extent, it is a very like human and some would say me included, like a very spiritual thing actually to and, like and inhabit an archetype. And not uncommon. I mean, it's something that, uh, universal, yeah. universally universal. Human. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> So you're not crazy, but you're tapping into something, I think, very ancient, actually. Yes. I can't tell you how much, and I still like it. If the if occasion ever arises, then I can, I can do that some more. I, I even have a recollection of going to a party where I didn't know these people well, and I, and I mingled and talked to people, and they would know who Steve Adams was, but they didn't know that Steve Adams ever was at that party. And it was like, it, it felt like something Mark Wicked about it. <laughs> That I I had the full I had the full power in mm -hmm. it. I knew who I was. I knew who I was talking to, and I could do anything I wanted. And so there was an yeah. You could say anything, right? You could do anything. Say anything. Do anything. Yeah. Put on a voice. <laughs> <Right. laughs> <It's> like, <"Hey." laughs> yeah. So so you talk about when you when you inhabit the Waldo character, right? You talk about that he has uh, more optimism. I'm curious other differences between you and Waldo. Like what what do you put on and then what do you take off, right? I put on uh, that everything that I know is true, that I've traveled much more than I have traveled. I talk about my travel, you know, when, when I'm in, in between acts on this, uh, this talent show thing. Um, oh, I've been to far off lands and I've learned this and I've learned that. And I, I went one year... The suit I wear, I wear a unitard, and the unitard uh, has lightning bolts shooting out from my loins. Nice. And so I talk about the power of my my loins, and I've set up uh, people in the audience, <laughs> people in the audience with uh, 
uh, helium balloons. They're holding helium balloons. And I say, well, watch this. Even with my loins, I can, I can burst a balloon. And there's, I just set up people with BB guns and I, I, <laughs> I got a show of thrusting my loins toward the <laughs> balloon. Pop! It pops. <laughs> and nobody, nobody's fools. Everybody knows that what a tacky gimmick this is. But uh, Waldo thinks he's he's all powerful, and it is. It's just a pleasure not to be Steve Adams uh, introducing a, a neighbor's kid. This is like it's a big talent show, and I've been around the world and. Um, so th there's something in my in, in my personality that wants to do that. Yeah, does it let you embrace power? Like really, I mean, there, there's a there's a silliness to it, but there's also like a there's a power element to it, right? There's this idea of you're magical, right? Your loins are shoot lightning, and <laughs> like you said, there's there's a wickedness to like wearing the mask, right? There's there's like some I'm hearing this power theme coming up. I know what you're saying, but I don't think so. I, okay, I, mean, yeah. I, don't think, I don't think it was a power thing. I think it was. Here's the thing. Uh, I told you I, I write screenplays and I and I and I experimented writing this book. I want to be funny, mm -hmm. and so I know that this loin thing and this the, the outfit and this crazy bonnet that I that I wore, uh, uh, it's laughs I'm after, and mm -hmm. and. That's been my my writing career is uh, is trying to be fun, trying to be funny, and that's why I'm so sad that what's what and what to do about it by Waldo Mellon has just not gotten the attention that I, that I wanted it to. I, I was I was told to go on uh, uh, Twitter, which I did for six months. Mark, I have fifty three followers. Oh. That's not so good. That's, that's not so good. That's it's not, not so, so good. good. And, yeah. and I th it's, it's either the nature of the book is too confusing, which I don't think it is. I think, it, 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 you know, you do have to get it to understand that I cannot describe it to you. But um, I just have great faith that, you know, the people who have gotten it and the people who have enjoyed it um, uh, have convinced me that, that there's much, much good about it. Mm -hmm. It's just a quick technical question, right? Because I am also a marketer. Did you go on Twitter as Steve or, or as Waldo? Um, the real Waldo M is how you get on Twitter. Okay. But is, is your voice, like as you're tweeting, is that the Waldo voice or is that the Steve voice? Say, what do you mean by the voice? It, it's it, it, to get, I don't, I see, I am such a, I am so uh, tech stupid. I was told, you know, by the publicist at Waldo Mellon, at the real Waldo Mellon, mm -hmm. that gets you to my my website, my my Twitter site. Yeah, but then, but then you got to tweet, right? You got to say stuff. You got to post oh, on and, Twitter. And, and then, believe me, for the first three months, yeah. I, every morning I would take pictures of my books. Uh, I book up in the trees and on my dog and uh, behind a statue. I and I. I uh, pick out what I I thought were funny and, and representative excerpts from it, and I I don't know what I was doing wrong. I don't think I don't think I people, will I will huh? tell you I will tell you as this is, this is a marketing clinic right here live Good. on on the show. Good. I think what would be really helpful is to make a Twitter account as Waldo Mellon, right? 
type in his voice, and that's not you, right? It's him. And write stuff, write comment on other people, find celebrities, find other popular accounts, comment as Waldo Mellon, right? Like bring his voice, make the character come to life, oh, right? Oh, be be oh. the character, right? Be, Forget be about character. promoting the book. The promoting is like not that interesting for people. Like just be the character, make quips, make comments, be pompous, right? Like do so that online. Do I, where do I, how do I do that? I'm on Twitter. Now, where do I go? You search for people, maybe talking, you search for people, right? You search for, I don't know, Donald Trump, right? That guy's got a kind of shit. Well, I guess he's not on Twitter anymore. I do no searching. Nobody told me to do searching. Did you see how lame I am with this? It's lame. It's lame. Well, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to fix it right now. Yeah. Search for people, celebrities, people that are hot in the news. How do I do that? How do I search for other people on Twitter? Yeah. Yeah. And then you can go. Wise guy, be be Waldo Mellon to them. To them. Yes. Really? Yes, you can you can retweet, you can reply, you can comment, like just be Waldo Mellon out online. And then at some point people will be like, Hey, who the who the heck is this guy? <laughs> you know? Who is who is this character? And they'll find the book, right? Really? So they so want more of it. I know I'm going to I'm going to uh, I, I'm I'm going to annoy you by asking you some more questions because I'm gonna go I'm gonna go to Twitter after we get off here. Great. I'm, I'm, I'm just gonna it, may may I uh, e- email you or something like that with a question or two? Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I'm happy to happy to get on the call. We can talk during the break about that too. But I I am excited, right? I'm excited and I'm inspired by this character thing because I I do think the mask thing is so unbelievably strong. I think yeah. that like being like I try to think of the archetype you're inhabiting. It's like a little bit jester is what I'm hearing. A little bit like trickster. Right. right. Like there's kind of like the Loki coyote kind of vibe going on. That's um, right. And, uh, and you know, we need that. So for those listening, uh, hang on. And when we come back, we'll hear some advice from Waldo Mellon. Take care. Follow us on Twitter at Voice America TRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN. In Mark's work with high performers and business owners, it is becoming increasingly clear to him that their biggest obstacle to success is themselves. They are experts in their field, but are dragged down by their anxiety, poor time management, inability to focus, or self-sabotage. His role is to help you overcome these emotional and organizational issues so that you can truly excel in your business and your personal life. One of the most common hurdles that he sees is perfectionism, a crippling anxiety around performance. It's a fear of not being good enough, being publicly embarrassed, or of disappointing others. These fears paralyze brilliant people and bring them to their knees. This course will help you to break free from this mental prison and have more agency in your world. In this online course, we will break down the prison of perfectionism so that you can break out of it. For more information and to sign up, visit mark-azulay.teachable.com. That's mark, M-A-R-C-Azulay, A-Z-O-U-L-A-Y, .teachable.com. 
Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Are you ready to move to your next level? Listen for Empowering Women, Transforming Lives with host Rebecca Hall Greider. Each show will focus on a central topic with discussion, guests, and your questions being featured. Our show is perfect for women who feel a call in their heart to step out in a bigger, more powerful way in their life and just need some encouragement, inspiration, and practical steps to support them on their journey. Empowering Women, Transforming Lives can be heard live every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel with a replay of the show Sunday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Listening to From the Ashes with Mark Azoulay. To reach the show today, please call 1 888 346 9141. That's 1 888 346 9141. Or send an email to podcast at Now, back to From the Ashes. Welcome back to the show. Um, in our final segment, we talk directly to the listeners. And I think, Steve, there's a chance for Waldo to give some advice. Uh, so I'm curious, what are some of the topics that show up in the book? And what's Waldo's take on them? Um, you're not going to, I don't think you're going to get that because um, each letter that I write to myself ask a specific question in a voice that uh, of a person who who I invent and so part of the pleasure of it is just you know it could be a 14 year old girl it could be an old man it could be a woman uh, who's going through a divorce it could be anybody and they end up asking a question that uh, about things like uh, I'm looking at the table of contents right now mm-hmm. uh, the first, the first chapter is a brand new word. It's a word you've never ever heard before. Um, it's called vocule. And now you have to read this chapter. What a vocule is. I don't, I don't want to use our time uh, uh, doing that. But I will talk to you. Waldo will talk to you about brains. What Waldo thinks about how a brain works. Mm-hmm. Um, he'll talk to you about genitals. Nice. Um, what genitals? What what's going on with those? Um, okay. Well, well, hold on. What if I would you could you do it live? Like, what if I ask you a question? Could oh, you try to? No, no. I, I I'd love to run the experiment, but these are all questions where I, I have no special skills and just like. You know, if someone comes up to me on the street and asks me about ask me a private question or a question about their relationship, mm-hmm. I really got to sit and think. <laughs> it's think not like it. I have a, some special, you know, 
I ask a question which is generally the answer has to do with a big area of life. Yeah. And so um, I don't pretend to have any any real special gift except for if I if I pause if I pause and think about it. I'm not I'm not a good improvisational uh, person. Okay. Okay. And, but but I have I have great faith and I really enjoy the task of of um, ask these are broader questions than you know I have two sisters and a brother and and my brother they're not like that you'll mm -hmm. see if you read it it's a much it's a much more uh, it's a broad sided issue that okay. um, hopefully you can you can uh, take something from I uh, I have a pretty broad issue do you want to try it and if you need more time you can always just bail. How about that? Sure. I, yeah. What, what's your problem, Mark? Okay. So I got a broadside issue is I just bought a home uh, mm -hmm. with my girlfriend and we're moving in together. Right. And we're looking at like, you know, starting a family and getting married and taking those next steps in life. Yes. Right. And I am fucking terrified. <laughs> I am terrified. I'm excited, but I'm really, really scared of seeing like growing up and taking this next step and moving into like the fatherhood family phase. Um, what would Waldo say about that? Because the letters are never a, a give and take. The letter just sits there. And so you can't ask the letter writer a question. Waldo would, I think Waldo would direct you to his chapter on yes, no, and maybe. Okay. Until you are positive, until you have a strong yes, Waldo will give you a, a, a series of, uh, of questions to which you will learn uh, the difference between yes, no, and maybe. If you're feeling, if, if, if you, you have this fear, fine, until you feel a yes, a certain yes, not a, a maybe means no. Maybe means don't don't do don't do this wedding yet. Don't don't do it. Don't do it yet. Until you go, okay, I'm I'm afraid. I'm scared. This is all part of uh, the beauty of love and this phase of my life. And until you can convince yourself of that. Um, until you can get a strong yes, sorry. What's your wife? What's your what's your partner's name? Uh, Caroline. Caroline. Does she feel the same fear? No. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> she's she's full in. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think we're both at a yes, but it's just like the the oh. fear of like the next step. I think okay. is what I'm feeling. Boom. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. If you're both yeah. at yes, if you're both at yes, do it. Do Who it. isn't afraid? It's only the the the, the dewy-eyed idealists that are going, oh, I'll never love anybody else. Of course you're afraid. Mm -hmm. That would be my that would be Waldo's take. But Waldo would get to, you know, kind of have his his um his tone in in the answer. Mm -hmm. Um and, and you would see that there'd be the quiz is nothing but funny where you go do you want to do you want to have glass chips um poked into your eye no that's yeah, a no strong yeah. that's a no would you like to have your uh, i wish i could get to the chapter there's other like there's ridiculous ones ones that are clearly oh yes that's what i want and so you assess your feeling the difference between your feel uh, between yes and no 
And if it's maybe, don't do it, folks. <laughs> Wait for yes. And that's great. And that's great. So it, it, it has like a combination of advice with humor, with kind of life lessons that yeah. you learned. Yeah. And if you completely disagree, it, it, it at least sharpens your your argument for disagreeing, mm-hmm. you know, oh, this, this guy's full of shit, this guy. Right. You can, oh. you can push up against him, right? You can Absolutely. like push well, back if you want for, for, yeah. for that kind of a, a comeback. Mm-hmm. So, so that's fun, but you know, I've, I've, this is, this is a, once again, an experiment is an experiment I'm very proud of. And I'm, uh, I wonder if I'll write more 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 screenplays. Screenplays is what I've done. I love the attention to this book, but um, I'm, I'm 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 worried about my my ne- my next project. Yeah, can you say more about that? What's the what's the worry? Um, there's two things. Yeah. I, I would love to follow up on this book uh, with a book called "What's Death and What to Do About It." Mm-hmm. And I've I have I have written a, a draft of this, and the publisher Seven Stories Press before this book um, was v- very very interested. But now the the limp sales of this book, um, thanks to who knows what, um, uh, has has discouraged them from uh, considering the follow up book. And so i I have to either get better at at promotion or um go back to writing screenplays mm-hmm. so and i'm I'm turning a screenplay into a into a book which i'm which I'm excited about so my days are filled with with writing, which is my favorite thing to do even though I just i am I agonize. I just as particularly these days. Yeah. Do you have day? Do you have days where it just seems like you cannot break through? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm in the in the process of pivoting my business, and there's a nervousness there of like, what if it doesn't work? What if I'm not loud enough? How do I compete? Right. Yeah. Like, my job is switching from being a clinical therapist to being a more of a business owner and being a um you know, a marketer and, and the face and the brand and doing all this yeah. because that's, that's what it takes, yeah. you know? And yeah. um, I'm also going to probably hire somebody coming up next year that knows more of the technical side of marketing as far as like, you know, paid advertisements and all that stuff. Because like you said, it, it's super complicated. You know, people go to school, grad school, you know, higher education around this. Like it is a hard thing to do. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I got pretty far by myself but now that I want to hire some people, hire some employees to work with me, um, I'm going to get even louder, right? Yeah. And stand out even more because now I have more mouths to feed. And I'll be honest, like there's a, there's a nervousness there for sure. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my, being 75 years old, it, it is, it's a whole different ball game. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, uh, I mean, you look at the past have have opportunities been squandered and you understand you understand um any bias there might be against uh you know someone of of my age um and so there's no there's no bitterness and there's really it doesn't seem to be much regret but it's just it's just the reality of it i would like i would like another gasp of uh of attention <laughs> yeah you know in writing movies I will confess that um, 
you know, I've had three movies made and I loved my screenplays and so did the people who like invested in them. Mm-hmm. Um, but the movies were no damn good in my opinion. They, they, it's such a collaborative uh, enterprise that, yeah. um, that it explains why there's so many uh, bad movies. <laughs> yeah, once <laughs> you get like the writer's room and the producers and everyone has like a piece of the pie, right? I've heard Absolutely. that from other people and in the industry. And then the actors yeah. get it in their mouths and the director, yeah. uh, you know, is, is slave to different things. And, and it just becomes like, oh, oh, a, 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 a very disappointing um, piece of shit in your in the trail you're leaving behind mm-hmm. right yeah because it, it kind of like lowest common denominator right i'm mean, imagine it kind of like washes out it dilutes what it would what the original intent was yes and if yeah. the tone is off you know especially if it's supposed to be funny then it's painful mm-hmm. and it's just it, it, I've, I've had nothing but painful experiences in that regard yeah i've heard that comedy is the hardest to write right because either it hits or it doesn't it, it either hits or doesn't and it's right. hard to I'm thinking of Larry David. Larry David, you know, he is the he's the he's the boss, and that's what it takes. If you that's what it takes for something to work. A single voice who makes all of the adjustments. And um, I was invited to the sets um, for a couple of days, but I it was just sort of a, as a. Uh, uh, formality because the writers guild demand demanded it so yeah that's a bummer man well yeah we just we just wrap up here um we'll talk a little bit more offline about how to use twitter and how to make that happen um but as we're wrapping up where can people find you they want to find you online if they want to find the book this is your chance to kind of do the promotion um on twitter at the real waldo m at the real Waldo M, everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you, uh, and that, that, if you, there's lots of uh, places where you can, on that website where you can actually push a button and access the book. Uh, Amazon is among them, but there's local bookstores. Any local bookstore, wherever you live, will have access to to what's what and what to do about it. And I, I, I would hope you'd go to them as opposed to Amazon uh, for various reasons. It just, you'll have to wait longer to get it. It'll make you long for it more. <laughs> and um, and the book, the bookstore, the independent bookstore will be happy. What's what and what to do about it. Go to your bookstore and ha- have them order it and, I would, I would be so grateful. That's great. Well, thanks You're for being... gonna like it. You're gonna like it. I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> Buy the book. You'll love it. All right. Well, well, thank you for being on the show. I really appreciate our conversation. And um, we'll talk a little bit more offline about some of this stuff. Um, for those tuning in, thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it on social media, like it, give us a five star review on Apple. We're trying to build up those. And thank you so much for tuning in. And I will see you next week. Another episode of From the Ashes. Thank you for joining host Mark Azoulay on From the Ashes. Be sure to tune in again live next Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel or subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Meet triumph and defeat and treat those two imposters the same.